We're talking football tonight, and that's uh, where we're basically going to camp out for the majority, if not all, of this episode. We've got some good interviews on the backside of it, but let's start with 4A football. We'll look at 4A, 5A, and 6A uh, nearest to us here in Pearl River County, kind of give you a lay of the land as far as standings and what the playoffs may look like uh, as Popperville starts playoffs, not this week, but next week. Uh, 5A and 6A, of course, have to wait a couple weeks. But let's start nearest to our hearts as we follow Popperville each and every week as their radio crew. They have uh, a, a week where they need to rebound after a tough loss against a good Green County team. They play Friday night at the house, at the Hornet's Nest. It will be senior night. Summerall will come to town. Summerall has not had a good year. What's interesting in that uh, 4A region that Popperville is located in is Purvis and Green County will play also on Friday night. And so that's a big ball game. That game's going to affect some seeding. Currently, Popperville looks to be the two seed going into the playoffs as Popperville was vying for their fourth straight uh, district title on Friday night. Um, that didn't happen. Could have secured that with a win against Green County. But Green County on that night was just a better club, Jeff. Yeah, just a, a, a well-coached club. Uh, just a, a – a, they brought forth uh, the most effort, I guess you could say, on the field right there, and they just they wanted a little more. They they went out and they won the ball game. And you mentioned this week uh, with Popperville and Summerall, Popperville's coming off of a loss that they didn't want to lose. They were wanting to go for that uh, fourth straight district championship. I think that ended a run of, what, 20 games, district games for head coach Jay Beach and Popperville that ended that. So, it's not looking too good for a summer hall team coming into the Hornets' nest after the Hornets got upset on their very field uh, last week. So look for look for a big ball game, uh, a bounce back, uh, so to speak, ball game for Popperville. They're getting ready for the playoffs in two weeks. Uh, at, you know, not this Friday, but next Friday, the Popperville, uh, the playoffs start for them. But it's going to be interesting the 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 game to watch uh, if you're a Popperville Hornet fan. And you're you're listening to the game or watching Popville game. The game to watch is going to be that Purvis Green County. Purvis has one district loss. Green County has none. Popville has one district loss. Purvis upsets Green County. All three of them have one district loss with some tie breaks held over. So we'll have to just see how that seeding goes if if Purvis is to pull the upset. Yep, and if Green County kind of does what we right. think that they will do and wins that ball game, Popperville will be the two, and they will play the loser of the past Stanislaus ball game. And so that's interesting, too. Moss Point secured that district across the way on the coast. They're the one seed. Now, Popperville is the two, would play the three seed. And as I just mentioned, that would be the loser between pass and Stanislaus. So interesting there as we're getting into playoff football. I will say this, for the Popperville Hornets fans that really thought that the sky is falling because we've lost a district ball game, that's silly. You've played for two of the last three state championships on the 4A level. Coach Beach and his staff wouldn't trade them for any staff, really at any level, uh, when you look at the competition. that the, I mean, the, the way that they've won over the last – three to four years, took a program that had went 0-10, I believe, back in 2010. So, Popperville fans, um, if there's any negativity or anything, I realize after a, a tough loss, uh, people aren't going to be happy. But get real, too. I mean, that's going to happen. But 
Um, Coach Beach and his staff will have that team ready to make a run in the playoffs. Have to play better football. Certainly can't play the way they played this past week and make a deep run. But if that team hits on all cylinders, they're going to be as dangerous as anybody in 4A football. So I wanted to say that before we bump up um, to 5A and look close to the houses. Of course, we record this out of Picune uh, most each and every week. Picune 5-0 and in district play, 9-0 and overall. Um, took the arch rival Pro Over Central out behind the woodshed this past Saturday uh, night and just really a dominant uh, performance. But when you're Pro Over Central, you can't let that loss linger. That's Look, right. Picune's done that to most everybody this year. So you can't let Picune beat you twice. You've got to get back up and get ready for really a huge ball game, Jeff. When you look at it, Pearl River Central 2-3 and three in district play, and they have East Central coming to their place. And look at East Central 2-3. and three. That game has huge playoff implications. Yep, and that goes all the way down from Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg's 2-3. Prover Central's two and three, East Central's two and three. So, as you mentioned, Prover Central has to bounce back. Uh, head coach Jacob Owen and that coaching staff is going to rally around that team. I'm sure they broke down the film to see uh, what went wrong and what you know what they could do. But as you mentioned, Picune has been taking multiple opponents back behind the woodshed no this year and just taking care of business. They did it to, like I hate to say it, they did it to the Hornets. Mm -hmm. They come up to Popperville and did it. So, uh, you know, they have done that to, you know. The only team they know, haven't done that to, Jeff, was, was the, Gulfport. Was Gulfport. Gulfport hung around, uh, threw the ball around, and at least kept it right. close. Now, everybody else, it has been something else. So, if you're a Pearl River Central fan, as you just mentioned for the Hornet fans, listen, Pearl River Central has to take care of their business, put that loss behind them, look at film, break down, practice hard. They've got to win these nets too. Take care of business Friday night against East Central and then have Gaucher, I think, the week after that. So they've got they got some work to do uh, for maybe their playoff uh, future, but they've got to take care of business. The, the, their their future's in their hands, and that'll be the play-the-ball game on Friday night. And that ball game against uh, Seth Smith, a guy that played at Pearl River Central, he's making the trip back over really to his home in career for that ball game, and that won't be – we talked about the Popperville Hornets. This isn't going to be a happy group right. of Hornets when they load that bus on Friday either because they're a stranger to lose, and they don't really know what that's like. And so to come off that loss to Pascagoula, and they look up this week and say, boy, we're two and three in the district, I can bet you Coach Smith had their full attention uh, this week. So that should be two motivated ball clubs that get together at uh, Hendricks Stadium on Friday night. Yeah, and it should be. And you mentioned you mentioned about the no stranger, and it's a it's – no, it's a strange situation for Coach Seth Smith and these Hornets to be in for East Central because you mentioned Popperville winning or playing two of the last three state championships. Well, they had to beat these East Central Hornets win the 4A South State Championship. So this year East Central is bumped up to the 5A, and they're used to winning down there in Hurley too. And to look at their schedule, and as you mentioned, coming off that loss, that's going to be a big game. It really will be. And then Pascagoula. At Picune, when you look at Pascagoula, they're 3-2 and two in this whole scenario, so they're actually in pretty good shape. They're 5-4 and four overall, but, man, Picune is just a runaway train. And we talked to one of those members in just a few minutes. You'll hear that interview with fullback and linebacker uh, Kay Turnage, but they have just been – Dominant and Picune five and zero in district. We've mentioned that a couple times. Wayne County five and zero, and Picune and Wayne County 
will have one at the end of the year that should be pretty fun. Yeah, and it's at Wayne County, up in Waynesboro. So anytime that anytime that Picayune has to travel up that way, go north of Pearl River Central and get up and, and play hat, teams like Hattiesburg and Wayne County, it's it's always, uh, it, it, you know, it could be turned out to be a ball game, but uh, Coach Dye Lee and them is going to take this ball club and face a uh, Pascagoula team this week and then put it on the road to finish their season. Wayne County's been playing uh, good balls. You mentioned 5-0 and in the district too. So if both teams go into that last week undefeated in the district, it'll be for the district championship. Yep, and when you're kind of looking around, I think people at this time of year start to look outside of their region. That West Jones Club that was so good last year, guess what? They're really good again. And so people starting to, I believe, look around at 5A and say, boy, a West Jones Picune uh, showdown and South State Championship would be a good redo from last year, a good rematch, and we may just get that. Coach Pearson was so good uh, to us last year on the podcast, we'll try to get him back on here in a week or two. So now let's look. We've looked 4A, 5A. Let's look at 6A. We've had a few of these coaches on from this region that surround us on the Gulf Coast. Gulfport 5-0. and We have Coach Archie on later in the podcast. You'll hear an interview with him. We've had Coach French on um, for Biloxi. We've actually had Coach Lawler on, too for Hancock. So we've had a few of these coaches on recently from this region. And when you look at Coach Dolan at 4-1, and one, as you're pointing out, as you're always helping me out here, Jeff, uh, we've had uh, these guys on. And you'll hear Coach Archie in the interview talk about uh, not only this region play, but when this region gets into the playoffs and matches up with that Oak Grove district that, look, and Brandon and those teams pedal, they're looking for a win in that uh, first round of the playoffs, and that's something that did not happen uh, last last year. And so this is an interesting district, Jeff. We've said Gulfport 5-0, and D'Iverville 4-1, Ocean Springs 4-1, Biloxi 3-2. and So those are your four top seeds as it sits, but there's two games left on the schedule. Yep, and I think Gulfport – uh, they have Ocean Springs this week and then have Biloxi uh, the next week. As, as you mentioned, we'll talk to uh, Coach Archie about that stuff. And, and and I'll just go ahead and say it, just a little highlight of what he's going to talk about and a question that you asked him. You always see these teams coast football in 6A, and you talk coast football with him. But when it comes playoff time and the state championship – the coast schools aren't there. It's just that other region and then the north the north schools coming into it. So this is the time for Coach Archie in Gulfport and then Coach Dolan at D'Iverville, Coach French in Biloxi, Ocean Springs, all them to kind of put uh, the coast football sits a, so to speak, on their back and try to take it up to Hattiesburg. Yeah, Coach Hall, when he got done at Biloxi, uh, on his way out, he kind of burned some bridges by saying, look, uh, it's not that important down here. And he right. had some negative things to really say about Coast football. But like a preacher used to say to me, either say ouch or amen. But one way or the other, you heard it. And so I think there was a lot of uh, a truth in, in what he was getting at when you just look at the numbers. Now, certainly when you talk to these coaches, they're as passionate right. as anybody across the state. And it's interesting to me in the interview how many times – Coach Archie mentions it. It's certainly on the top of their mind. They know what they need to do. It's not lost on them, uh, the situation down there. So interesting stuff. We've broken down uh, the high school level. Let's look around the state, Jeff, on the collegiate level. Um, 
Southern Miss was able to get a win on the road last week over in Houston, beat a Rice Club, really a Rice Club that's, that hasn't played good football. And it was an ugly win, but it was a win in conference on the road. So Southern Miss will take it, and then they'll take a week off this Saturday. Yep, and it, I think, as you mentioned, it was an ugly win, but it was the most needed win, uh, so to speak, for Southern. Uh, they're going to have this bye this week, but they've got to keep, uh, you know, keep the ball control too and, and more consistent play from their offense. Uh, Abraham, you've seen him uh, shine a little bit against Rice and then you've seen him hiccup a little bit at certain times and the offense in a hole doing the same thing against a Rice team. Uh, Clay, to be honest, that sh it should have been 40-something points scored by Southern, and, and they scored just 20-something points on the board. So uh, you can't get into that and, and, you know, finish out the Conference USA record and season and then try to get a bid or want a bid for a bigger bowl to have somebody big come play you in a bowl game when, you're, when you can't pad your stats, so to speak, against a team like Rice. Yeah, and then you've got Louisiana Tech with, uh, with a two-game lead. You're going to need some help. Uh, there, Southern Miss is going to catch them on that side. When you look, Ole Miss was off last week, certainly not off this week. Go to Auburn. Auburn, uh, a really good team. That's going to be a tough one there over at Auburn State. Uh, took a tough loss to Texas A&M. They have Arkansas this week, and we have you covered if you're a Mississippi State fan on this episode. As we talked to Steve Robertson, we were glad to get him on the podcast. We're able to visit with him, I think, 15 or 20 minutes, Jeff. Um, he's a two-time author. He writes, of course, for uh, Gene's page, and he's got his finger on the pulse when it comes to Mississippi State football. And then he's got two neat projects, two neat books uh, that he's been able to publish as well. So we look forward to all of our interviews. Jeff, kind of give our listeners that batting order, if you would. Yep, the uh, interview lineup for tonight, uh, all the interviews uh, will be heard or brought to you by the Heron Ford Hotline. Heron Ford located right here in Picayune on Memorial Boulevard. So on the Heron Ford Hotline tonight, we have Cade Turnage, uh, fullback and linebacker for the Picayune Maroon Tide. Also a catcher on the baseball team uh, as he is a senior. Uh, so we talk a little bit. We talked to him about this run that Picayune's going on and then, you know, talk about, you know, going into his uh, college days playing baseball. Uh, coming up next will be uh, head coach John Archie, uh, Gulfport Admiral football coach. Uh, Gulfport 7-2 and two overall, 5-0 and oh in the district, as we just mentioned. So we'll talk and uh, get his – his pulse around the uh, around the Sits A program or the the Coast Sits A uh, region down here, and then uh, batting cleanup or you know last in the lineup would be Steve Robertson, uh, the author you just mentioned about his books and his finger and pulse all over Mississippi State. So three good interviews, three good interviews, and I would encourage you. We certainly appreciate uh, you for listening. Something you could do to help the podcast. Um, Come find us on Talking Ball, y'all. Facebook, uh, also that's uh, my Twitter account is actually Talking Ball, y'all. Jeff Lysette, I think his is Jay Lysette. Is that right, Jeff? That sounds right to me on his uh, Twitter account. Uh, help us get it out as we get it out on social media. Subscribe, uh, rate, and review the podcast. But main thing we want to get across is we certainly appreciate the overwhelming support that we've gotten uh, this season for the podcast. And overall, the numbers are outstanding. So thank you for listening, and uh, we appreciate y'all being out there. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of healthcare options. From our internal medicine clinic 
to advanced surgery and emergency services, from the Highland Center for Women's Health, to our primary care and pediatric clinic. Our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. Whether you've hit a home run or a foul ball, for all your real estate law and closing needs, call Cruise Law at 1-769-242-2500. That number again is 1-769-242-2500. Call Bill Cruz at Cruise Law. We've got Kay Turnage joining the podcast now, the standout linebacker and fullback for the Depending where you look, the number one ranked Picky Maroon Tide in the entire state. So, Cade, thanks for taking time for the podcast, bud. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Cade, how does that sound, man? Number one ranked in the entire state for that Picky Maroon Tide. Sounds pretty good to me. But, I mean, <laughs> we can't really, can't really look at it. Just got to keep playing. And you say keep playing, and that's something you've done um, playing on both sides of the ball fullback and linebacker lead the team in tackles with 79 tackles uh, on the year and then leading the way for this powerful offense. Let's look at the defensive side of things first, Kate. That defensive unit that has been dominant, how special is that unit? And you're right in the center of it, but you've got some guys in front of you on that defensive line that have to keep some guys off of you and let you run and go make some plays, huh? Yes, sir. And them guys up front, they it's almost like they on the O line. They open it up and me and the other linebacker, we pretty much gotta make the play. But uh coach Coach Trahan and the coaching staff, they do a great job and put us in great situations to make those plays. And I give a big shout out to them. Cade, when you look at that the way this position works for you, when you flip over to the other side of the ball and you're playing fullback, does your knowledge of how, you know, they're going to be trying to attack you at that fullback position or how they're attacking Thomas back behind you at the tailback, how much does the knowledge both ways kind of help you um, in your blocking scheme and then getting off of those blocks? How important is that? Yes, sir, it definitely helps. It's uh, when you're at fullback, you – being a linebacker, you kind of know how how they're going to attack you, and then when you're a linebacker, you know how to attack the fullback. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, Cade. When you're blocking for a guy like Cameron Thomas, who last I checked was leading the state in rushing yards, had a huge game this past Friday night against your arch rival. How cool is it to know, man? You don't have to get a lot of your guy, especially with that offensive line. He doesn't need much, does he? No, sir. You just just make a block, and he gets green grass, he's going to go. No doubt about it. Okay, that offensive line that you have in front of you opens up some gap in that Don lead offense. The fullback gets a bone every now and then and gets some carries. How fun is it to run behind that offensive line? Man, it's special. Them, them guys, are they work hard. They, they open up the hole, and it's just it's fun. Once again, we're joined by Kate Turnage, fullback and linebacker for the Picking Maroon Tide football program here on the Heron Ford Hotline. And, and Cade, seen on Twitter the announcement from you and then the congratulations from uh, people responding to you about furthering your career at East Central. 
Uh, but we're talking football, but you're not going to play football. You signed and committed to play baseball at East Central. Talk a little bit about how, how special it is to be playing for head coach baseball, Cody Stogner, and then have Coach Cody Stogner on the sideline on Fridays for football. You got him in the spring and the summer or in the fall, both football and baseball. Yes, sir. Coach, coach Stogner's – I spend more time with him than probably anybody. <laughs> He's like a – like a second father to me almost. I love him to death, and uh, he's a great coach, baseball and football. Love playing for him. Cade, when you look at what uh, both of those positions take, fullback, linebacker, and then catcher, I mean, the toll it takes um, on your body are, are – I know you're a smart youngin, man, but the, these positions you keep signing up, that's some wear and tear on that body, <laughs> huh, bud? Yes, sir. Uh Ice bath will fix it, but I'm probably feel it when I'm about 45. <laughs> <laughs> you may feel it before then. Look, the Bells' uh, connection there and what it means, what they've done athletically around here, how much does that kind of play into the pride you take uh, when you put that Maroon Tide jersey on, Kay? Uh, I almost I play with a chip on my shoulder because they're always talking trash to me at the dinner table and – I just play with a chip on my shoulder and try to be like them and try to be better than them. Yep, that's a tough group of folks right there, and it's certainly uh, you embody that. Uh, Cade, your head coach there, Don Lee, announced before the season publicly that this would be his last year. Um, um, in the locker room amongst the players, what does that mean to y'all? Uh, it means a lot. We really, We really don't talk about it or – really try to think about it but you can feel it in the air it's a, it's a different atmosphere in there this year and so far perfect on the season and we're about to get into playoff football two more regular season games but uh, just trying to finish it off and stay focused is that kind of I know that's the coaching staff's job but as a senior and that senior group have y'all kind of taken that on as part of y'all's responsibility too yes sir we uh we tell the younger kids, let's just take it one game at a time and prepare every week like we're preparing for the state championship, and we'll be all right. Yep, and I have a feeling y'all will certainly be all right. Kay, we appreciate you joining us tonight, man. Uh, keep up all that you're doing on and off the field, and uh, we appreciate you, bud. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all for having me. If you're looking to insure a new house, car, or motorcycle, give Advantage Insurance Company a call at 601-749-8790 or go by and see Shauna Oder or any one of her friendly agents and let them go to work for you. Advantage Insurance is located at 4201 Highway 11 North in Picayune. Joining a podcast tonight is the Gulfport Admirals head coach, John Archie, 7-2. Overall, 5-0 and in region play. Coach Archie, thank you for taking time for the podcast tonight. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Coach, um, off to a fast start once again in region play. Just looking, it looks like y'all have won 21 straight region ball games. That's quite an impressive mark uh, once y'all have gotten inside of y'all's region. How important is that, Coach, to play that kind of football inside your region? 
Uh, it's kind of it's very important. Um, we kind of take our reason. You know, our, our theme is we want to get better in reason to get ready for the playoffs when we play those other teams from another reason. So we take that very important. I guess that kind of shows in our twenty-one and oh and uh, you know, twenty-one straight region games. Absolutely, coach. And the way that you've gotten there, um, pretty balanced on offense. But tell us about uh, your signal caller, uh, the senior in Crosby. We had the chance to see him as a freshman uh, when he was with Long Beach when we were covering uh, PRC football. And at that time, and Jeff and I were both on the call, and we kind of looked at each other because he could spin it pretty good as a freshman. How has he developed and now as a senior? Impressive numbers and uh, looks to have you all in a good place. Um, he just – you can't say enough about him. He just kind of does everything the right way. He's kind of a natural leader. The most important thing about him is he, he's an all-around competitor. Um, you can tell at practice every day and, you know, even in the ball game, he just doesn't come to play on Friday nights. I mean, he, he you can tell in practice, you're looking in his eyes how bad he wants it. Even when he's doing second-team reps against the first defense, you can tell how he want, how bad he wants to compete, how bad he wants to get better, um, how bad he wants his teammates to get better. Coach, I know as a player, you're on the defensive side of things. Uh, he's got 19 touchdowns but only two interceptions. As a former defender yourself, how important is it that he doesn't give it away too much to the opponent? Oh, it's very important. Uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of one of the things that I should have said the first, how smart and intelligent he is with the ball in his hands. He's not going to do anything crazy to put himself in a bad situation. Um, so he, he's very protective of the ball. He does a very good job of protecting the ball. Coach, I brought up your playing days. Uh, a highly touted recruit coming out, a Southern Miss guy. Um, some guys that have kind of impacted your career, or whether it be playing or as a coach working your way uh, up to this uh, 6A job that I'm sure a lot of people across the state and even across the region uh, had their hat in for this position. Some guys that have uh, kind of helped you along the way, Coach Archie, or impacted your career. Um, I, the first guy will be, you know, my head, my high school football coach, you know, Mike Justice. I had a chance to play for him at Madison Central. And, you know, one thing that, you know, I still preach these guys about today is, you know, we got to be tough. You know, I remember still remember him back then. It was 5A, but, you know, we were considered one of the juggernauts of 5A football. And, you know, you got to be physical. And that's one thing I try to bring to this football team. Um, you know, we got to be physical and dominate every week. Um, you know, I played with, uh, had a chance to go to Southern Miss and play on the uh, coach Jeff Bauer, who I have a lot of respect for. And, you know, me, my offensive coordinator, Mickey D'Angelo, was on that team with me. He's about two years older than me. But me and him kind of share kind of the same values that Coach Jeff Bauer taught us. You know, we try to preach to the guys, you know, do the little things right. You know, me and Coach D'Angelo talk about all the time that, you know, and Coach, one of Coach Bauer's things he preached to us, if we had majority of the team, 75, 80 percent of the guys doing every, the little things right, going to class, being on time, being respectful to your teachers, you know, administrators in the hallway, you know, we were going to be okay on Friday night. But it, it always proved that when we didn't do those little things right during the week, it showed up on Saturday when we were playing. It kind of correlates to high school football. You know, we kind of preach and want those guys to be, you know, right all the time. And, you know, it kind of works out for us all the time. We got a, I got a good group of guys. I got a good group of coaches, and we all work, and we all want to see these young men be successful outside of football also. Coach Archer, um, you, you mentioned the um, – 
your playing days for a really good 5A program, familiar with D'Angelo's playing days uh, down here on the coast. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to ask this in a, in a polite way, but to get coast football uh, back to where it used to be, I know all you can control there is your program, but has that ever kind of talked about uh, amongst coaches at least on uh, trying to get uh, coast coast football back to um, how really the fans around this state remember it uh, prior to Katrina? Yes, that, it's talked about all the time. I remind my guys, you know, weekly, every day, sometimes, you know, about the simple fact, guys, we, we run 20 – I talked to them today, we won 21 games in a row, but we still haven't run a playoff game. Mm. I mean, whether we like it or not, whether that's the wrong thing to say after winning 21 games, you know, we're, we're trying to show the state that we can play football down here. Um, I don't know if you know our, my region, non-region schedule. That's why I try to add Oak Grove and Northwest Rankin so we can go play those teams and put the coast on the map. I know, you know, Hancock, they've stepped out and they played Meridian this year. So we're trying to get coast football on the map down here and let people know we do play football down here. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, Clay, the, the, the thing we got to do is we've got to win a playoff game. We've got to make some noise in the playoff on the coast. And that's the only way we're going to get the respect that we deserve down here. Yeah, it was really, I mean, I guess that was a couple years ago when uh, Coach Lawler and Hancock were able to make a little push and a little run. I know it was, it was pretty exciting. We cover Popperville on Friday nights, a 4A program. We live here in Picayune, of course, have our pulse on Pro River Central and Picayune. But uh, I think the, this whole end of the state pulls for uh, the coast teams when we get into that first round of 6A uh, playoffs to to be able to perform. So uh, we're with you on that, Coach. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I tell my guys all the time, I say, you know, I, I tell them, I say, they almost, you know, we go to clinics and, you know, these guys, we're still not respected as a contender in the state of Mississippi. And, you know, we've got to work hard and that's what we've got to get to. Once again, we're joined by head coach for the Gulfport Admirals, uh, Coach John Archie here on the Heron Ford Hotline. And, Coach, a uh, big win last week over D'Iberville. Uh, you know, you run your uh, district record to 5-0. and You got two games left on the schedule, uh, Coach. You got Ocean Springs at home, and then you travel to that Biloxi team. Uh, it seems like you and uh, Gulfport and Biloxi is always playing right there at the end, whether it be for a district championship or maybe a playoff uh, berth or, or just bragging rights right back there. But the Biloxi Indians and the Gulfport Admirals are always neck and neck when it comes to that last ball game. Yes, sir. It's going to be, you know, it's a good thing for the community. It's going to be a big rivalry game. Uh, you know, I think they're doing pretty good this year. And, you know, we, I, I kind of pride myself and I make sure we don't look ahead. We're focusing on Ocean Springs this week to kind of take care of our business. And, you know, I think this week, someone, if we win this week, we secure first round and win the district again. And that was our goal this week. We, we're taking this week as a championship week. And next week, when we get to uh, Biloxi, we're just going to let it all hang out and go out and have some fun. And I'm pretty sure Coach Friends, they're doing the same thing. You know, they think they got to win some ball games, so I think they're getting ready for us also. Coach, when you look at it, your background, as I've mentioned a couple times, on the defensive side of things, tell us a little bit uh, for us X's and O's nerds, what type of uh, scheme uh, defensively, how do y'all line up and attack people and uh, some of your personnel on defense that have gotten after some guys? Uh, we're, we're multiple on defense. You know, we can, we kind of, we're going, we've been talented. We're blessed this year. We got some guys we can, we're able to 
shift from a three to a forefront at different times when we need to. Um, we're pretty talented in the secondary, I think. Um, I have some young guys uh, up front on D-line. I have two uh, two really good linebackers, uh, Mike Esters and Cedric Handy. They kind of anchor my linebacker group. Um, my cornerbacks and my defensive backs, are, I think we're really talented. Uh, Jameson Lindsay and Kyrie Bryant, uh, two seniors that lead that group. Lead that, lead that group. And um, I got three juniors, Jacob Stevenson and uh, Isaiah Washington and Jordan Cooley are also pretty talented in the secondary also. When you look at it, Coach, when you took over uh, here at Gulfport, like I said, this was a job that had to be sought after by a bunch of folks. Uh, they make the hire with yourself. Is this kind of where you envision Gulfport football to be? Uh, really, you've been there for a short time, and you've had tremendous success. Is this the the vision you had when you took over there? Yeah, it's the vision I had. But, you know, I tell my we, – we haven't played our best. We're, we're not where we want to be at yet simply because we haven't won a playoff game. Um, we're, we're okay. We, we can win district, and that's great. But you know, that's not our goal. We want to be in in December, first week of December. We want to be in Hattiesburg playing for the gold ball. There you go, Coach. Coach, we appreciate your time. We know it's a busy time of the year, especially for you coaches. So for you to take some time for us means a lot, and we certainly appreciate it. All right, thank you guys. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Whether you're hungry for seafood, po'boys, or salads, go see Kelly's Po'boys located in Picune and proudly serving Pearl River County for nearly 20 years. It's a little bit of New Orleans right here in Picune. Hey folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. We're fortunate enough now to be joined by Steve Robertson. and uh, Steve, thank you for taking time for our podcast. We certainly appreciate you squeezing us in tonight. Yeah, happy to do it, guys. Thanks for having me. Steve, we're going to get to um, some some football talk that's um, that's right out in front of us. But before we do that, let's talk about uh, your second book that that you've authored and is out now. And uh, I know that you're doing some book dates and some signing dates. Let's get right into talking about that book, Start Villains. Tell our listeners um, about the book. And then I know you're also getting some attention for the first book, The Flim Flam, uh, some of that attention starting to uh, come back up. So let's talk about the two books. Let's start with the newest and Stark Villains. Yeah, so, you know, I was actually under contract to write the sequel to, to Flim Flam. And uh, to be honest with you, after I began to work on it, my heart just wasn't in it. And I felt like we needed to kind of wait a little and kind of give some distance between Flim Flam and the second one. And, and I just wanted to give some you have some time for the rest of that story to kind of develop. I mean, there's still some other elements of that that are still, you know, somewhat ongoing. And so I pitched my agent on, listen, I want to write a Mississippi State book. I want to write about some of the best moments in the rivalry from a Mississippi State perspective. And so I found some games that were important to me and some players that were important to me. And so I interviewed Coach Jackie Sherrill. I interviewed Coach Ron Polk and Bob Tyler and John Bond and, uh, Derek Pegues and Anthony Dixon and Wes Ray, Morgan William, uh, Greg Carter. And I, and I interviewed them about the rivalry and their biggest moments in the rivalry and kind of let them talk about what it meant you know, to coach and play against Ole Miss and to represent Mississippi State. And uh, it, it was been one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to kind of put these stories together. 
and kind of tell our stories. I mean, it's my name on the book, but these are the Mississippi State stories for Mississippi State fans. Steve, your your love for Mississippi State athletics and your passion for wanting to uh, take on both of the books, really both of the projects uh, that you've taken on, where does that stem from? Well, I think a lot of it, number one, is, you know, my, my dad was a Mississippi State grad and kind of raised us to be Bulldogs. And, and uh, my first game that I ever attended was November 1st, 1980, and we beat Alabama. Uh, little did I know at the time that was going to be the biggest one in school history, but uh, – you know, it kind of lit a fire in me. I thought, you know what, it's really cool that we're kind of the underdogs here and kind of the fly in the SEC ointment. Uh, you know, the, here we, we had a bunch of small-town kids that were beating the number one team in the country. And so that was always fascinating to me, and I grew up watching Will Clark and Rafael Palmero and Jeff Brantley and Bobby Bigpen and Gator Thiessen. And, you know, if you're a fan of college baseball, you know, how could you not love those guys? So. That's where it all began. And then when I began to get a little bit older and to seek out some books and literature on the rivalry, just about every book written about the rivalry is written by some old this guy. And so I felt like that we needed to be better represented in Mississippi's literary heritage. And so that's what I plan to do. And, Steve, the your access um, to the programs – and being able to, I mean, you just, that was a laundry list of, I, I would think of any state fans, kind of heroes or people that you would want a perspective. Did Flim Flam and, and that project help you gain access for this book and this project, or, or were you already fully there and, and having your foot in the door and being able to uh, kind of get who you wanted to for this second book? Well, I don't think I had any issues ever getting people to interview with me, but I think what Flim Flam did is it kind of legitimized me as a writer. And I think there are a lot of people that uh, early on, you know, were a little bit hesitant to talk to me about the old Miss stuff just because they didn't know if I was going to burn them. And then if you've read Flim Flam, I didn't burn any of my sources. I just wrote the facts. Matter of fact, I had some old Miss people contact me to tell me they appreciated that I just told the truth about their stories rather than kind of, you know, adding rumor to it or innuendo. I just kind of told the truth. And so um, I think that opened up some doors for people. I think there were a lot of people that were maybe a little more willing to talk to me just because of the fact of how I handle things with Flim Flam, that I approach things from a professional point of view. It wasn't a trash-talking type thing. I just wanted the stories to tell themselves. I wanted to use my words to frame up the story rather than tell the story and let other people share their better memories. And so. So in that respect, I think I would have probably been able to interview everybody that I needed to. But I think because of the fact that I, that I wrote Flim Flam and that it was so successful that a lot of people said, you know what, I want to partner with Steve. I have no problem helping Steve with this because of how he, he wrote the first book. And Steve, writing the second, the second book and that laundry list of folks and guests and, and guys that provided their story. There had to be some moments along the way, as you mentioned, uh, kind of how your fandom for Mississippi State started, and then you're sitting across or uh, on the phone with or recording. Were there some pinchy-type uh, moments in there where you were thinking, man, I can't believe I've got Ron Polk or somebody laying out this story to me? Well, fortunately, I've been able to cover Mississippi State since 1997, so a lot of those moments had already passed. But I guess interviewing Bob Tyler, that was one. You know, he was the guy that obviously predated me here at Mississippi State. But, uh, you know, people had told me, well, you know, Coach Tyler's memory's not what it once was, and that's not true at all. 
his hearing may not be what it once was, mm. but his memory, he is sharp as a tack. And so I interviewed him, and uh, I learned so many things about Mississippi State football. And, and there was a stretch in there, you know, after we fired Alan McKean so foolishly. We had four coaches after that that never beat Ole Miss. And so from Alan McKean until we had Coach Tyler, we, we went – 19 years without a win in the rivalry against Ole Miss. We went 0-16-3 from 1947 to 1963. Mm -hmm. And then we finally get a win in 1964. And so Coach Tyler talked a little bit about all of that. One of the things that was impressive to me is that he he was a John Vaught disciple at Ole Miss. And he was essentially the coach in waiting. He was the hand-picked successor to follow Johnny Vaught. Well, then when Coach Vaught got sick, the Kennard brothers kind of got control of the athletic department and they had some booster support. So Billy Kennard, a bruiser Kennard hired his own brother in place of Johnny Vaught, handpicked successor in Bob Tyler. So then Tyler leaves and goes to Alabama and works for Bear Bryant for one year and then comes to Mississippi State as the offensive coordinator to be our coach in waiting. And then he took over uh, after one year here in the program. But I asked him about all that and I thought, you know, well, coach, how did all that feel? And he stopped, and he was such a gentleman. Mm. And he had every opportunity right there to just trash Ole Miss, to trash the Kennard brothers, but he wouldn't do it. And he said, you know, Steve, he goes, I'm a Mississippi State man, and if it's all the same to you, I really don't want to talk about Ole Miss. Uh-huh. And, and I thought, you know what, How, how I get chills just telling you guys that because it's like this is a guy who was passed over and conspired against, but he was such a gentleman that he, even after all these years later, he didn't want to say anything derogatory about them. I thought it was incredible. Yeah, such class there. That is that's pretty neat insight. And um, when you look at it, Steve, the way that um, both of these books, of course, cater uh, to one fan base, and that's to that Mississippi State fan base. But college sport fans in the South in general, have you found uh, some some people that have picked up, especially your first book, and said, well. You know, I'm not an Ole Miss or a state person, but this is certainly uh, so interesting to me that uh, you've kind of picked up some readers or some followership along the way from just SEC fans or fans of football in the South. Yeah, for sure, and that's the thing, too, you know, with the Hugh Freeze case being such a high-profile situation. And let's be honest, I mean, there's a little Shakespearean poetry Mm -hmm. kind of in the whole deal about you know, the Mississippi State guy, you know, kind of working behind the scenes on a book finds, you know, kind of finds the, you know, the, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back at Ole Miss. And so it's like you got the, the pious Q Freeze out there, you know, with this public persona that didn't match his, uh, his true behavior. And then it's ironic that it's a Mississippi State guy that finds the, uh, you know, the finds it. And so what's happened, but that gave a, a much higher profile to the book because, it was such a tremendous fall from grace for Hugh Freeze. So SEC fans and college football fans around the country were just fascinated with the story. And so I had you know ESPN, Mark Slaybaugh comes to mm-hmm. Starting Bowl and Pete Thamel from Sports Illustrated. See, all of these you know, kind of a who's who in major college sports. They came to Starting Bowl and interviewed me and, and wrote stories about me. And I had the Washington Post come spend a whole day with me and go to a book signing with me and that sort of stuff. And so... As a result, you know, my profile was elevated, you know, kind of out of the big maroon bubble to more of a national stage. And so we we did book signings at Arkansas, we did book signings at A&M, mm-hmm. and at Auburn, kind of all over the southeast. And so, so yeah, I think there are a lot of people that are 
just fans of college football and uh, maybe fans of uh, these NCAA cases and things like that that were interested in the book, even though they didn't have a rooting interest in the rivalry. Steve, I guess it's a big picture. I mean, this question's probably too big to ask, but where college athletics is today, I guess I saw earlier with uh, the sports image um, that players are now going to be able to pay. I was kind of glossed over this afternoon preparing for some of this, but the money that is now involved in college athletics. When you've done the research for the first one in Flim Flam and then the second book here, is it just kind of mind-blowing when you started, when you mentioned being at a ball game and or seeing a ball game in 1980, how much all of this has changed over really a pretty short time period? You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, we, uh, we never got to see Mississippi State play on television. You know, people forget we didn't have lights at Davis Wade Stadium until the early 80s. We beat, L- we beat LSU under the lights on national television. And uh, that, that was back in the early 80s when John Bond's quarterback. And, and now every game is on television. You know, and so not to mention, you just look at where our stadium is. You know, I, I was alive and we didn't have these upper decks. You know, and there's some pictures in the new book that kind of show the transformation of Davis Wade Stadium over the years. It has become such big business. And we mentioned the fandom aspect of it. You know, when I was a kid, you were a Mississippi State fan when Mississippi State was playing. Nowadays, you're a Mississippi State fan all day, every day. It represents who you are. If you go look on all forms of social media, there are a lot of people, rather than have their own picture, they got a picture of Bully. <laughs> yeah. they got a picture of the M-State logo. Or they got a picture of you know, their favorite player. And so it, it's become such a part of the tribalistic nature of our culture that people want to identify with their favorite programs. And I think that's one of the reasons you see so much of this angst on social media because so many people are so much more emotionally invested in the success of their college program, but it's become their identity. And so when state loses or their favorite team loses, they take it a lot more personally than maybe we did 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, and I mean, I know we're not doctors here, Steve, but it can't be healthy, can it? (laughs) Well, I, got, I guess it depends on how you look at it. It's like, I, yeah, I read, I read some of this stuff on social media, and I just want to say, guys, just take a deep breath and go eat Waffle House or something. You know, it's like, you know, there's just so much more to life. And, and I'm trying to explain to people, you know, listen, this is our business. You know, we, we have a big website with Gene's page, and, you know, I've got the podcast, and we've got the books. And so when Mississippi State's doing well, we do well. Mm-hmm. And so when Mississippi State does, doesn't do well, you know, it impacts the ability for us to feed our families. And so... We're a little more invested in it, I guess, just because of the fact that our income is so dependent on the success of the university. And so we've been through all this before. You know, we, Dave Murray and I were just talking about how bad it was in 2016. You know, people forget we finished 5-7 and seven that year. We had absolutely no leadership on that team. And Dak was gone, and we thought, you know what, the best days of, of this generation are behind us. But that's not what happened. You know, we rebounded, had a couple of good years. And so, you know, we've been there before. And I think our fans need to understand, especially the guys of your generation, you know, I think about these silver-haired dogs that we've got, you know, these people that give a lot of money to the university. Can you imagine living through 20 years and having one win against Ole Miss and you still were proud to be a Mississippi State Bulldog and you still came every year? And so we've gotten a little bit spoiled going nine consecutive bowl games, and there's still a chance for us to go this year. But I think people need to kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, and understand that there is life outside of Mississippi State Athletics. 
Yeah, and that's you described it perfectly, spoiled. And then, as you said too, during those stretches, uh, now every game, as you've said, you're you're able to see it right in front of you on the on, on the TV screen, regardless if it's good or bad. So we just are inundated with information, and the game's on all the time. Jeff across from me, the co-host, is a Southern Miss guy. I'm a two-time Southern Miss graduate. The haves and the have-nots, uh, Steve, in, in the sports, and, and, of course, you're covering it from the SEC side of things, but that money, that gap that we describe, how much has that changed things when you look at uh, the network money and all the money when you look at, uh, let's, use, let's use USM, a conference USA, when you see the pay scales and the things, it, it's just harder for these um, other schools to kind of catch up with the Power Five or whatever, however you want to deem uh, that grouping of five. Just kind of speak to that and where you see that from y'all's perspective. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And then that's the thing, too. You know, when I was a kid, you know, in the 1980s, you know, Southern Miss, you know, kind of had the upper hand in a series against Mississippi State. I mean, you know, that was the thing back in when I was a kid. You, you kind of saw Southern Miss, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State on equal footing, even though. Southern Miss was a little bit smaller. The budget was a little bit smaller. But when the SEC expanded and State and Ole Miss stopped playing Southern Miss annually, you know, that was just, in many ways, it kind of, I guess you would say, kind of drew a line in the sand that said, you know what, State and Ole Miss is just, just a different league. And so now when you look at that, that decision was made back in 1992. You look how it's expanded in the last you know, 27 years now. You look at where Mississippi State and Ole Miss are from a facility standpoint, then you look at where Southern Miss is, and there's just no comparison. And it's because of you know the, the, the membership in the SEC, the leadership of the SEC, the TV revenue, the SEC bowl revenue money. It's just almost an embarrassment of riches. And so now, you know, nobody talks about the quote big three anymore because nobody includes Southern Miss in that paradigm. And uh, that's all in my lifetime. And, uh, you know, really, that's been since I've been out of high school. That's how recent that is. It's just incredible to me to think about when I was a kid, it, there were basically three factions of fans in your school. You know, there were just as many Southern Miss fans, right. if not more, because I grew up in South Mississippi. Nowadays, when you go down there, you've got some Southern Miss fans, but they're also a Mississippi State or Ole Miss fan. It's crazy how it all works. It really is, and you kind of led me into my next question, Steve. I, I follow you on social media, so I know, of course, you keep a, a pulse on the high school recruiting for Mississippi State, and I know you made your way. I guess it was uh, when State was maybe opening in New Orleans, you made your way and saw Picune and D'Iverville play, keeping an eye on, I believe, a kid from D'Iverville uh, who has interest in State. But how often do you get to check out high school football? And, uh, of course, we're recording out of Picayune. Give us our, our th your thoughts on the Iverville. I believe it's the Wally brothers, and then what you saw out of Picayune that night. Yes, I, I, you know, I used to get to do it all the time. I was talking with some people earlier today about that. You know, when, uh, you know, years ago I would go – we had a scouting service, so we saw video at colleges. And so – I'd be at a high school football game every Friday and sometimes Thursday night. And uh, my, I used to joke that my wife was a football widow to leave on Thursday. She wouldn't <laughs> see me again on Sunday night, you know. And so, but yeah, so I don't get to get out quite as much as I, as I used to. But I did get down there to see the out to see uh, the Iverville and Picky play. And Jade Wildy, of course, is committed to Mississippi State, so I wanted to get some pictures of him and 
And sadly, they didn't get to do much because pick you, pick you. That's the thing. I've always said this about pick you and really West Point. If they ever get a lead on you, the game is over because they run their scheme mm-hmm. so well. They're going to get downhill. They're going to get an unbalanced line, and they're going to wear you out physically. And so that's what I saw that night. That game was over with by the end of the first quarter, and and you just see the way Pickney was just destroying people at the line of scrimmage. And uh, there's not a lot of Division One prospects on that team. It's just a, really a tribute to that program and to that coaching staff. And uh, you know, any time that I have gone to see Pickney play for you know 15, 20 years now, you always know that it's going to be a game of physicality. And that's the problem that most teams have when they play them is they can't match them physically at the line of scrimmage. And when it boils down to a war of attrition, they're going to win the ball game because that's the game they play. And you know, the Iberville, they've moved Wiley around a little bit. He's playing some receiver and they're trying to get in the ball in a variety of ways. I think he's going to be a great receiver long-term at Mississippi State. But uh, I, I covered those coastal schools for many years after Katrina. You couldn't get a hotel room down there for about a year. And mm-hmm. so I lived in Baton Rouge. And so – I would, I was, I was like the only person in the industry who was in a reasonable driving distance. So I got to know all those coaches when Todd Mangum, you know, was there at Ocean Springs, and we had all these great coaches at the Iberville. And I, and I love that the Iberville program and that fan base. It's like it's so crazy. You can go to the Iberville, and there'll be guys, some older guys, some of those older generation fans that hadn't missed a home game in like thirty years. <laughs> and it's like you, you kind of get a sense of, you know. The coast is just a little different when it comes to high school football because those communities, I think, after all they've been through with Katrina, I think people appreciate a good Friday night experience perhaps more than they did, you know, free Katrina because I think there was just this community, this sense of community after Katrina. And I remember how packed the stands were because I think people just wanted a chance to feel normal again. And uh, I kind of fell in love with all that. And so I've kind of got a soft spot for those programs on the coast because I know a lot of those kids were living in FEMA trailers and going out there on Friday night. And it was really the only chance they had to feel like a normal kid again. And so I think a lot of those coaches and a lot of those people down there. Steve, you, you mentioned soft spot and good football. Do you keep an eye on your Columbia Wildcats and what they have underway this year? Yeah, I do, and, uh, you know, we have not won a state championship since 1982. I was in the third grade when that happened, and I remember we were all so fired up about football that every kid went to school every day, and you came back with paw prints drawn all over your arms and face and whatever because we were so crazy about our high school team. And so they've got a great year going, and hopefully we uh, get a chance to make a run in the postseason. We had a good run last year, a little bit short, but – you know, maybe this year we can uh, update that state championship banner. We've talked about high school year, uh, football. Coach Moorhead in the year that Mississippi State's having, what good effect has that had, if any, that you can tell on recruiting so far, Steve? So, so far, so good. You know, that's the thing. It's like you know, recruits, it's, it's crazy. The kids sometimes have the more mature outlook than adults do, hmm. you know, because their buy-in is a little bit different. They see this as an opportunity. So, you know what? I'm better than that kid. I can go in the next year and play as a freshman. You know, where, where fans are a little bit irrational. You lose the ball game, you feel like the, the sky is falling. You know, these guys that are competing, they understand, listen, there's going to be a Friday night to go out there and do everything you're supposed to do to get ready, and you still might get your butt beat. I mean, that, that's competing. They know what it's like to be on the downside of a ball game when things don't go your way. Same thing in a season. But fans, fans are a little more invested, and so as a result, sometimes – they get a little bit immature with their responses, you know, because they 
react in the moment. I, I joke with some friends of mine. I said, you need to, you know, observe a 24-hour social media rule anytime that your team loses because <laughs> you end up posting some things that, uh, that are a little bit embarrassing to yourself. Yeah, I'm a Braves fan, so I can certainly relate to that here of late. So, Steve, man, I can't thank you enough for your time. Would you tell our listeners how they can buy a book and then follow you with all the uh, work you do uh, there with Gene's page and your social media stuff and, and where they can follow you and find a book? Yeah, so I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R, and you can order the book, and you'll be able to order both books soon off StarkVillainsTheBook.com. That's the easiest place to find us, and of course, jeanspage.com. We are the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Steve, thanks again for your time, man, and all your insight and uh, your passion for what you're doing, man. Thanks, Clay. You guys take care.